Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Impact Today Network Podcast Channel Show. We are on the John Frisella Show. Johnny, I'm I'm out of elements here. We're we're recording on a different day at a different time. You got some big things lined up for this weekend, so I'm kind of out of my elements. I couldn't figure it out. Not 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 only are we podcasting on a different day, but I sat down, I put my headset on. And my headset was backwards, man. <laughs> I couldn't figure out. What was, I feel uncomfortable right now. I think it would be normal for you to have it on backwards. I, I almost wouldn't expect you to have it on the right way. But, uh, you know, I'm glad you got it going the right way. Now you sound nice and clear. And uh, as usual, Mr. Easley is ready to go. Yeah. And listen, I got I got to apologize to people. And I also have to tip my hat to some people. So so our, our listeners, I want to apologize a little bit to them. You can follow me at Loafinit on Twitter. You also can follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore there on Twitter where it's a big old page like a USA Today like we used to open up, John, all the time and, and be able to read all these different sport articles and everything that are in there. You can do the same thing at that Fit Today on on Twitter. And don't forget to follow John at LegendSports7 on Twitter. But last week, I, I just got to apologize Mm-hmm. You know, we had some sickness there on the old bread routes and stuff. And so I've been running a bread route. And this is why I got to tip my hat. I wasn't prepared. I, I mean, I was prepared. I wasn't prepared. I didn't get to prepare as much as I normally do. I was a little bit more tired because I'm, I'm out there physically working instead of just mentally working. So I'm doing the mental part. I'm doing the physical part. I'm overseeing a company, a fortune what, 100 company, not 500, of course, <laughs> Fortune 100 company. I'm overseeing all that, you know, cutting checks, making decisions, executive decisions, stuff like that. And and then I sit down and I start doing podcasts. And, and I don't know if I really could have managed my time any better, but to all the fantasy football analysts, the fantasy sport analysts who are out there on Twitter, who are grinding every single week who are putting in more hours at their job maybe than I necessarily put in physically at my job uh, and and still putting out that great amount of content. Hey, man, that's a tough gig, and my hat's off to you, and thank you for your grind that you keep doing, fantasy football community. Yeah, fantasy football community really puts in work. And, uh, you know, as you know, Wes, the later on you get in the season, the more people start to disappear or they can't keep up. So that's a tip of the cap to those that are still going here. Yeah, I'm sure you got a lot of teams that you had to throw in the trash with all the injuries and the situation this year with COVID and whatnot. So it's a really difficult time. It's an uphill battle. So shout to all those grinders still here, still going as we head into week nine and a tough slate this week. Yeah, and especially you know when fantasy football started this year, everybody was a fantasy football analyst. Everybody started a podcast. Everybody started creating content because it was during the COVID era. And so now that everybody's introduced been introduced back to the real world, we've all kind of had a taste of people drifting away because it is hard to manage your time. How do you how do you manage your time? Because I know you watch every single game. Do you break that down by division? Like on Tuesday, you watch all the NFC East games. Uh, but on Wednesday, you break down all the AFC East games and or North games, and you just you know throw out the Jets. You know how do you, how do you manage those times? <laughs> it's a good question. So the Jets are a guarantee. I will watch the Jets every single week because a lot of times we can learn a lot about the opposing team's fantasy players when they're dismantling a weaker team. You want to see do these guys play against a weaker team all out? to try to run up the score and run up the stats? Or 
do they play where they're like, oh, we just know we're going to win. So we don't have to play that hard. Eventually we'll get the win. Who cares about the stats? So you learn a lot watching the Jets get dismantled. So that's a guarantee. The Thursday night football game is a guarantee. I watch it when it's on. Monday night football, Sunday night football. Any game that's the opposite time of the Jets. So if the Jets are 1 o'clock or 4 o'clock, I watch the other game in its entirety. And then I have the DVR and I got the red zone and I got YouTube. So I backtrack through all those all together and I kind of get all the information through there. Most of the work where I have to fill in the gaps is coming late at night because there's no other time. You know, as you know, I'm working ridiculous amount of hours at my real job um, and we're crazy busy. Thank God business is good. Um, But, you know, there's just no time. There's just no way to do it. So it's the late hours or it's Sunday. Basically, you know, the missus knows and the guys know I got to be locked in and paying attention. Otherwise, I can't bring you the good content. Yeah, and that's true. And whenever I sit down to do my stuff, unless the kids are already asleep or to bed, I'm just completely getting thrown, pulled in this direction or getting pulled in that direction. Daddy, watch this. Daddy, do this. Which you got to prioritize the family and you got to do those things. Uh, and last week, I wasn't able to do that after the kids went to bed. <laughs> I just felt I felt shortcomings. You know, I, I just felt like I wasn't able to get all the things I wanted to do right. And so you persuaded me. I had a terrible week on the Fit Picks. I think that's what's haunting me. I had a terrible week on the Fit Picks. I don't even know that I broke 500 on the Fit Picks, and that just really bugged me. And it was because you persuaded me a couple of times on a couple of different games that I wouldn't have normally went with. So I'm going with my gut this week, John, and I'm not going to be persuaded this week by your twisting of my mind well that's you just do that naturally you know my father-in-law shout to my uh father-in-law mike he always listens to the show and he said man wes he kind of just goes along with you out of nowhere like you'll start at the beginning one way uh, on a gut on a gut feel at the beginning of a game and then by the time we're done talking about the game you're on the same side as me and i'm not even asking you to do that you just do it's like your mind just kind of flips that way i i'm happy to go against you as we know we always keep track and we always say when we split up on these things we end up even in the end because if you think about it, our three teams from before the year, the Raiders, I was right about them. They're much better than you thought. The Vikings, you were right about them. And, and the Eagles are floating in the middle. Those were the three teams that we disagreed on. So in the end, if we disagree, it's just going to end up even in the wash. Well, and to your father-in-law, I will, I will say this. I am a complete knee-jerk reaction guy. So, you know, I, I got my opinion at the beginning of it, and then John talks about something else, and so I'm just, I'm jerking over to the other knee, you know, and I'm, I'm playing spoons on one knee, and I'm playing spoons on the other knee, and, and then by the time I get to my next podcast, I probably flip-flopped again. I, I don't know. It's... Well, listen, that's why you end up burning these leagues down from your <laughs> knee-jerk reactions from crazy, <laughs> crazy trades, or someone sends a stupid message yeah. in a group chat about fantasy football, and, and Wes wants to burn it down. He wants to send the whole league into the ground. So that's a knee-jerk reaction. But, you know, listen, if you would have told me the 49ers were going to lose Garoppolo and Kittle oh. in the same game against Seattle, I would have told you to take Seattle's. The second Kittle went down, I texted my buddy who also thinks the 49ers are a good team. I said, this game's over. They can't, they can't beat a team this good without George Kittle, who does so much for them. And they actually made a nice comeback, but they didn't get there to cover the spread. They, they ended up uh, seven points short of the spread. And that was without Jimmy G as quarterback. And this week, it's the same thing. It's going to be the similar situation. If the game gets played on Thursday night, which right now with all the COVID concerns that are in this game, surrounding this game, it may end up getting pushed back to Sunday just so we can get some more negative tests rolling in. Or maybe they'll play it on Friday or maybe Saturday. Who knows what the NFL will do at this game. But uh, right now, Nick Mullins will be leading the charge for the San Francisco 49ers at home against Green Bay. Right now, this point total is sitting at 49 and a 
half, which is what it started out as. And for us being able to do this on a on a Wednesday evening here, we're, we're able to look at these uh, scores in a different light than we're usually looking at it on. So make sure that when you're calculating all this and you're trying to maybe think about placing wagers, we're giving you these lines and these point totals right now so that uh, this is and this is on Wednesday. They're going to change, obviously, before Sunday morning or whenever you can finally place that wager when you want to place that wager. So keep all that in mind. Right now, this game total is sitting at forty nine and a half and the Green Bay Packers are favored by six and a half points. Talk to me about this one, John. Yeah, well, the first thing is the only thing I was able to tweet today because it was a wild day at work, was about this quarterback situation with the 49ers. Isn't it strange? This is how I recall it, right? And what I tweeted was, correct me if I'm wrong, but everyone ended up agreeing with me. Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt earlier in the year, ankle injury, right? Mm -hmm. They went to Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins, by the way, before the year, I considered Nick Mullins to be one of the top 10 or 15 backup quarterbacks in the league. He's really not that bad. But This time around, he came in decent, and then after the first game replacing Garoppolo, he really struggled. He just totally lost it. So then they went to C.J. Beathard, who came in like a man on fire and was smoking hot. So now Garoppolo goes down again, and now it's back to Nick Mullins. So I'm thinking, wait, did I miss something in between? Didn't didn't they bench him for Beathard? How did he get back to this point? Do you have any insight? I have no idea what's going on. I can't explain it. Well, I, I do think that Shanahan just goes with that hot quarterback at the uh-huh. time and who he feels, you know, he goes by a gut feeling. And if you think about this, both Nick Mullins and Beathard are, I believe both of them are free agents at the end of this year. So mm-hmm. maybe they're having to make some decisions. And I'm not going to say that Shanahan is thinking about throwing in the towel because you can't do that. But in that division, man, they are, whew, they are facing an uphill battle without Kittle without Garoppolo, with all the injuries that they've faced in the running back situation. So maybe he's trying to think of, hey, who do I want to look at here to see who might be my backup for next year? I don't know. It's it's very strange. It's very The whole situation's odd. That is definitely a possibility. What I will say is I'll go one more time with the 49ers because overall they've done a good job covering the spread. They blew some teams out that they weren't expected to blow out, even with injuries. Remember, they've been having these injuries all year. So I'll go one more time with them only because Green Bay always seems to trick you. You got like last week with Minnesota. I told you. I told you Minnesota was going to take them down. <laughs> so so I'm going to go one more time. If if they fail here and they look like they did for three quarters in that game this past week, I'll jump off the bandwagon. But I'm going to give them one more shot because on some of the books, they're even six and a half point underdogs. Maybe they'll lose the game, but I, I could see them losing by four. So I'm going to take the 49ers to cover the spread. Um, I will not be using a lot of Nick Mullins in fantasy. I do like Jamichael Hasty because we have no Mostert and we have no Tevin Coleman who came back and immediately went down again. So I am going to go with Jamichael Hasty. Um, and if Jordan Reed can get healthy, maybe you can mm-hmm. squeeze him into some of your DFS lineups. If not, it looks like a one-man show for the 49ers. I don't even know what that one-man show is. I hear what you're saying, though. And even on the Green Bay Packers side now, with the injuries that they've had at running back, I don't know if Aaron Jones will be healthy enough to be able to run, but I know Jamal Williams has been diagnosed with COVID as well. I think he's going to be out this week, if I remember reading that possibly. A lot of things have happened this week. You know, I've had my eyes on a lot of different things going on in the United States of America, so I can't remember if I remember seeing Jamal Williams having that COVID or not. So it's really strange. I'm going to trust... Aaron Rodgers in this game to get it done. Boy, I, yep, I'm, you're not persuading me, John. I'm going with my gut and I'll be fooled by them Packers again. So that's what I'm going with. That point spread is sitting right at that 49 and a half mark. 
where you know it's that sucker bet kind of a thing in the NFL, and that's mm-hmm. what the that's what I've been more successful on. I think on the breadwinners and anything else is picking those over unders. This one kind of seems right where it needs to be with a couple injury depleted teams. Yeah, it's I mean it's right in that area. And by the way, number one, you're right. Jamal Williams did test positive for COVID. Uh, AJ Dillon also has COVID. Oh yeah, yeah. Kendrick Bourne, the wide receiver for the 49ers, likely has COVID. So those are some of the guys that are in jeopardy there. And have you ever heard of Tyler Irvin? Does that name ring a bell to you? Yes, I think I went to school with a Tyler Irvin. He was a very good dancer. Uh, no, he, what he's he's the running back off the practice squad, isn't he? Right. So, I mean, I don't know what to expect from him. You know, let's put it this way. I'd be more likely to trust the 49ers with a random guy they pulled out of the parking lot than the Packers when it comes mm-hmm. to the running game, just based on the scheme, Right. But as you said, you know, you got Rodgers here against a no-name quarterback. So you could go either way. And the best part about this game is one of us is going to get burnt by one of these teams for the second week in a row. So so either way, somebody's going to be making fun of somebody. So I'll I'll go with the 49ers one more time. I'll fire, fire up Hasty. And uh, obviously, you know, you can never go wrong with Devontae Adams, especially with, you know, Sherman's not around for the 49ers. So he can go wild. And, uh, you know, they're, they've been mixing in those tight ends a little bit, Tanyan and Sternberger. Maybe you can throw one of those guys on a DFS lineup. But overall, I'll go with the 49ers to cover the spread, and we'll see what happens between the two of us. Well, you've almost persuaded me because I just kept seeing Dalvin Cook running for all these touchdowns against Green Bay last week. Yeah. And then I just saw Jamichael Hasty getting those screen passes in the San Francisco 49er offense running for those same kind of touchdowns. Oh, man. Oh, uh, I'm going with Green Bay. No, Johnny, you cannot do it to me two weeks in a row. <laughs> Seattle at Buffalo. Seattle at Buffalo. Seattle's on the road, favored by two and a half points. This point total right now is sitting at 55 it looks like an offensive explosion but to me buffalo has kind of got their feet stuck in the mud here over the last three or four weeks john seattle's a good defense to get healthy against as far as scoring points for buffalo i just don't know that they can do it yeah you're absolutely right something is wrong with buffalo right i mean it's not that there's some like transcendent team that's going to dominate the world but they were much better early in the year it's almost like this is the way i look at it some teams are developing their playbook and their strategies every single week, and they change on the fly, and they become a totally different team. They're chameleons. Other teams have a real good strategy to open the year, and then people start to catch on, right? Like I've been saying about the Rams all year. I like Sean McVay. He does the best he can. Their receiving talent isn't that great in terms of downfield passing, so I understand why they're having issues with that, but that being said, they're doing so many wide receiver screens and so many dump-offs that it's become predictable. I think the same thing's happening with Buffalo here. What confused people about Buffalo at the beginning of the year was everybody came into the year with the same old Josh Allen narrative, which is, oh, he, he's not accurate. Uh, he's, you know, he's a work in progress. You know, the same old stuff. They came in with that language. Guess what happened? They opened up the year chucking the rock around and catching everybody off guard, and they were hitting it on all cylinders between digs, John Brown was healthier early in the year. Cole Beasley's in the slot. So they were mixing it up between those three guys. So they, they confused people. Now everybody's kind of caught on, and they've gotten back to a run-pass balance. And they're not tricking anybody. They're just becoming an average team. So long and short on this one is I'm not going to get fooled. It's 66% on Seattle, right? Normally I would say be careful with that. It certainly seems like they're trying to get you to bet Seattle. But I'm not going to overthink this one because the line right now, we're talking Wednesday night here, is only two and a half points or three points. So I got to think worst case scenario, I'm going to get a push. If I take Seattle, I don't think they're going to lose this game. So I will take the Seahawks to cover the spread. I'll say they'll win it by seven. 
Um, I still like Russell Wilson. Maybe the weather is a factor here at Buffalo. Um, I checked but, it. It. I just checked it while you were talking, and no, there's there's no weather concerns right now. Anyway, from uh, from what I can see. Right. So that makes total sense because the line on the over under is still 55. Mm-hmm. So that makes total sense. So I don't think the weather's an issue. So with that being said, uh, all your regular guys, DK Metcalf, right? Tyler Lockett. Keep an eye on that running back situation. DJ Dallas filling in for Chris Carson scored Very two good. touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So keep an eye there. And then somebody on the come up, I mentioned him last week, and he connected for two touchdowns was Zach Moss for the Bills. They're starting to force feed him a little bit more in the running game. So keep an eye on Zach Moss for Buffalo. I'm curious to see, uh, because you know Seattle's an offensive weapon and a juggernaut, if the Buffalo Bills go down by a lot of points, does that mean Devin Singletary will end up getting a little bit more work? Because he seems to be more of the receiving type of back instead of Zach Moss, who's getting all the goal line work. Mm -hmm. Uh, They they may, although they've been doing a little bit of both with both guys as the season goes on, right? It's not becoming so one-dimensional now uh, as we go on. Like I said, they've kind of gotten more into the running game by using both guys because Moss was out injured for a little while. They got a little pass happy. The league caught on to that. They start to struggle. So now they're going back to using both backs with both guys healthy. So it's a little bit of mix and match, a little bit of here and there with those Buffalo running backs. I do like the over in this one as well. I'm going to agree with you and go Seattle, even though it was my own thought. That was my own thought. I wrote it down before you said anything. I'm not <laughs> letting you persuade me. I, I like the over in this one. I could see this. I could, you know, I could see Seattle getting in the 30s, and I can see Buffalo getting in the 20s just because that Seattle defense, which looked good last week against a depleted San Francisco 49er team, uh, this Buffalo t- team can be a machine too. I like the over in this one. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. As the season goes on, we're kind of having a mind melt. I felt the same way. I'm like, what defense was this this past week with Seattle? I was like, what team is this? I've been watching them all year. I I haven't seen this defense. They were fantastic this past week. So Mm. with that in mind, I got to think it's not a one-off. That would be very bizarre that it would just be one game. I feel like either they figured something out or they said, hey, guys, look at all these headlines being written about this being one of the worst defenses on a good team in the history of the NFL. That was a big headline last week and the week before. Maybe they showed them. They put it up, you know, bulletin board material. And said, aren't you guys embarrassed that that this is what people are saying about you? So they turned it up a notch. As well, the same thing happened with Dallas, right? Dallas lost to Philadelphia, but their defense looked like a totally different defense. They played very hard. So Seattle had the same thing happen for their team. So with all that being said, I'm going to take Seattle in the under because I'm going to go for Seattle to stay hot for at least one more week on the defensive side of the ball. The next game has Denver, just like Seattle, crossing uh, territories and going through different time zones. And they're playing at Atlanta this week. And I, I believe that uh, we have Denver here being, oh, no, Atlanta is favored by three and a half points. I knew that. I was trying to figure out a way to say that. But the game total has bounced up to 50. It started out at 47. It's bounced up to 50. This is basically a pick em, Johnny, right now. I think you mentioned somebody in your article this week of Russell Gage, who plays for Atlanta. Yeah, Russell Gage. Well, we'll see what's going on with Ridley, right? I, obviously, when I was watching that game on Thursday against Carolina, right away, I was like, this doesn't look good. Yeah, you know, I, I just don't like to see a guy, you know, he's not a big, strong, physical guy. He's all about the speed and the quickness. And I didn't like the way he was limping around. So that was a major concern for me. And I felt bad for them because they were playing pretty good ball. Matter of fact, they won that game easily. They would have blown the doors off Carolina if mm-hmm. Ridley made it through that whole game healthy. So we have to keep an eye on his situation. Let me take a look because there was an update earlier today on Roto World. It says Calvin Ridley not practicing with a foot injury on Wednesday. So that doesn't sound good. So back to where you started, Russell Gage is going to get more targets. Will they convert 
into anything is the question. He seems to do better when Julio Jones and Ridley are on the outside taking those guys away from the middle of the field, and then he could do his little one-on-one against a linebacker, mm-hmm. the outside cut, go inside and catch that, catch that slant and get a nice 15, 20-yard gain. So without Ridley, I think it hurts him. So he's going to get more targets. I don't love him as a fantasy play because of what we've seen in the pattern so far this year. As far as the game goes, that line came down a half a point. And, hey, man, what's going on with Denver? That was some magic in that yeah. comeback. So I'm going to take Denver to cover the spread. Right now they are plus three and a half, and I'm going to lean in that direction. I'm going to take Atlanta. Atlanta's really a complete team. Other than being able to finish off games, <laughs> they've been in just about every single game this year. It feels like they've had a shot to win, an opportunity to win. And ever since the coaching change, it hasn't. they haven't really stopped too much. You know, we talked about always those teams getting a shot in the arm whenever they make a coaching change. Well, Atlanta had that shot in the arm. Then they lost against, I think, Detroit that week. But they still kept the momentum up against the interdivisional rivalry there in Carolina on that Thursday night game. And they were able to pull that out on the road. So that means to me that Atlanta just – still has not quit. Okay. They haven't quit. And to me, whenever I look at them, special teams is there. They got a great kicker. Defense is always putting up a fight and they're always, they're ready to play and they're trying to get those, uh, uh, you know, turnovers and everything. And of course we can never count out their offense. Todd Gurley seems to have found a little bit of spark this year, but whenever you got Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, you'll never be able to count them out. I look for them to be able to finish off this young Denver Bronco team. Uh, this this week here in Atlanta at home. So I'm I'm going to take Atlanta at home and those three and a half points. I sure wish that was more like two and a half, though. Right. Don't you think that considering them a complete team has to include their best player? How could you consider them a complete team without Ridley? Unless well, you're, I, you're assuming he's going to play? No, I don't think. And even if he does play, I don't I don't like him being nicked up. He never seems to do well in my mind. This is going back all the way to the Alabama days, even mm-hmm. a little bit nicked up. It, it just doesn't play well. I, I don't know what it is, but they do have Hayden Hurst there. And uh, like I said, they, they don't, don't ever count out my little Edo Smith either, by the way. Oh buddy. my, they I, never I, give him the ball. He's a, he doesn't, <laughs> they forgot he was on the team. You're the only one that knows he's still on the Atlanta Falcons. He stands there on the sidelines and they look at him like he's a ghost. Like it's the sixth sense. And it's like a twist ending. They're like, Oh, oh there was an Edo Smith on the sideline. I didn't even know he was there. That's that. That's what it's like, and you still found a way to mention him somehow. I did. I just wanted to perturb you, but uh, no, I think the Atlanta Falcons. When I say a complete team, I know they might be missing Calvin Ridley, but they. I'm just talking about on the offense, the defense, and the special teams. Uh, they're all playing very hard, and I, I, you know, I haven't seen Denver quit yet, but I just don't know if Denver is going to be able to figure it out on the road. That's all. Well, that's a good point, though. That last point about Denver's effort. I mean, they've really been pushing hard. The, mm-hmm. And and the funny part is it took my Jets to get them going in the right direction, right? It was the battle of the teams that were winless on national television on Thursday Night Football, and that was a heck of a game. That was the only good Jets game of the season. Came down to the wire, and Denver showed themselves that, hey, if the game's close, we can win it. We don't have to feel like we're going to lose if it's close. Now they're up to three wins. Last week, I counted them out. When, when the Chargers were up big, I didn't think any way that could happen. Out of nowhere, Drew Locke found a rhythm, right? That's quarterback. We talked about Drew Locke last week. He's been awful in the first half of the game. He was even worse than awful. I'll tell you how bad he was in the first half. I watched one series. My wife was in the room. She goes, what level of sport is this? Is this like college football? I'm like, that's the Denver Broncos. He threw, he got sacked two plays in a row, and he fell on the floor with nobody near him. And just like the ball was rolling on the ground. She was like, this, this is bad. I mean, it was really awful. And then out of nowhere, boom, light switch in the second half. He just found the rhythm. He got rid of the ball quicker. He got the ball downfield. 
So I'm kind of treating Drew Locke like I was treating the Seattle defense, which is that they got a little bit of momentum coming from out of nowhere that we weren't expecting. So I'm going to ride that wave, and I'm going to ride Denver. I'm going to take them to cover the spread. I like the over in this one as well. I know we usually think Denver is a uh, defensive juggernaut. That's mm-hmm. just not true this year. They, they've let up a lot of different points to a lot of different people. And I know it's some Kansas City's, the Los Angeles Chargers, who are coming on very strong. Uh, but they let up 18 points to the, uh, or maybe 12 points to the New England Patriots even, which seems like a lot nowadays, John. So I'm going to take the over in this one as well. So far, I don't know that I've found any breadwinners that, yo, this, this week. Through the first three games, I don't really see any breadwinners, although it is worth noting that the over-under line did climb three points. And again, this is a Wednesday night show, so it's very early in the week Mm -hmm. for the line to go up three points. So if I had to agree somewhere out of the picks we've made so far, I have to agree with you on that. It looks like the arrow is pointing toward this game landing on a score around 54 or 55 points. Yeah, in that case, I may take the under. But right now, with it sitting at fifty, I would probably take the over. Well, I meant right. the actual score. I didn't oh. mean I didn't mean the over under line. The over under line will probably stop at fifty one. It'll probably go up one more point. But the actual score, I believe, will be around fifty four or fifty five points. I gotcha. Hey, I heard some terrible news coming out of the Chicago uh, camp this week. What's Mitchell that? Trubisky has his shoulder injured from that one play that he played on. I know you were probably sitting there going, hey, yeah, I told you, get, get Mitch in there, get Mitch in there on Sunday <laughs> afternoon whenever they were playing the Saints. He injured his shoulder on that one, so he will not be one of those options for Nagy to be able to play this week against the Tennessee Titans. Man, this is one of those games, dude, where I would go up to Tennessee and watch this game. I, I would either, just so I could yell at the Chicago Bears or I could yell at the Titans, one of the two. Unless, of course, Derrick Henry turned and looked at me, then I would just shudder. You know, I would just I would just be like a turtle, and I'd go into my little shell, and I'd pretend he didn't see me or something like that. But this game, we have the Tennessee Titans at home, uh, favored by five and a half points. This point total is 46 and a half. John, 46 and a half, such a low-looking point total to me. Uh, It is pretty low. Let me ask you about Trubisky. Is he out? Did they already rule him out of the game? I don't know if he's out. They just said that he's hurt his shoulder. I I didn't see out, but I just saw where he hurt his shoulder. It's just pretty funny, right? He gets one play and he gets injured. That's very Jet-like. As the year goes on, the Bears and the Jets are kind of going toward each other. Like I said, like our commentary sometimes is overlapping. Well, now both of our teams – are going toward the dumpster fire that is not making the playoffs. And we were already were there, but now you're starting to go there, uh, you know, as the Bears fall off. Although they gave it a good go this past week against New Orleans. Um, you know, they're starting to fall off, which we expected. In this game in particular, uh, Tennessee, what's going on with them? A couple of games in a row here. I mean, Cincinnati put it down on them. That Joe Burrow, man, looking like a young MVP out there. He, hey, who he really is, gave him a spark. Who is the better? Seriously. Now that you've been able to see Joe Burrow for a minute, and and I'm going to tell you what my answer was last year. Okay, mm-hmm. I'll even tell you. I'll go back to the last college football season and tell you what my answer was last year. Mm-hmm. But you know, we got, we have some very interesting young quarterbacks in this league right now, and I'm going to probably miss one or two of them. But if we had Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, and we had Justin Herbert lined up right now, who would you want to start your franchise with? It's just really tough right now between Burrow and Herbert. I mean, to come in the way that Herbert came in in a COVID year, not as the original starter, learning everything on Skype, right? All these guys are doing video conference, whatever, to learn the stuff. To come in that hot with no timidity at all, right? He's The guy's not timid. He just came in taking shots down the field and not only taking shots, putting them right on the money. If you saw some of the throws he made to Mike Williams last week, I mean, I was like, are you kidding me? 
Granted, they didn't close the game well, but that happens sometimes with rookies. So it's very close. The thing about Burrow is, he, to me, he's just a little bit more polished in his overall approach. Not even in his throwing. Herbert's a very polished thrower, so I can't even knock him on that. But the overall approach to Burrow is, number one, he gets up to the line quick. He has a good, for a rookie, he has a better sense of the opposing defenses than both of those other two guys. He gets rid of the ball fast. He doesn't let you get set up. He uses all of his receivers. He doesn't key in on anybody, which is normally a rookie mistake. They like one or two guys that they always go to. Burrow spreads it around. So for the all-around package and also the confidence, right? When the guy loses, he's furious. When he wins, he expects to win. Um, so I'm going to go Burrow number one by a hair. I mean, if you want to tell me Herbert, I'm going to go with you too. Uh, Burrow, Herbert, and Tua. I mean, come on. You kidding me? We, we called it. I don't care if they won the game. We said, what are they doing putting him against the Rams? He threw for 60 yards. It, either one of us would have thrown for 100 yards in that game, the way that was going. So, I mean, yeah, he's he's not even on the list right now. I wouldn't even put him in a group with those two other guys. Yeah, and I, I being down here in SEC country, of course, on my SEC text feed that I have, I'm, I'm down here in Tua country, right? Mm-hmm. And it was two years ago when I saw Joe Burrow quarterback for LSU just for a minute at the very beginning part of the year. Uh, not, and I'm, I'm saying two years ago, I'm not even talking about his LSU championship season. I'm talking about the one before then I watched him back there. And this is after he had transferred from Ohio state, I believe. And I, I just watched his poise and I saw his arm and I was like, dude, he just read the field really well. And I mean, I texted my guys. I said, this, I, I didn't say Joe Burrow. Cause I don't even know anybody's name. This guy's good for LSU. And that was it. And I watched about 15 minutes and I turned the channel. and I was gone from college football for the day. Right. But I've remembered that since then. He made that big impression on me in those 15 minutes where I was like, that guy's special, right? Then LSU last season, I'm down here in SEC country in Tua land, and I just saw Joe Burrow playing quarterback, and I kept saying, Joe Burrow's going to be a better pro than Tua. Tua is a system quarterback. Alabama's a machine. But Joe Burrow is bringing this team from nothing to something, and he is playing in a professional offense, and he is doing it great. You know, it's just he was doing it great. And they set all kinds of SEC records, if not NCAA records last season, as far as efficiency goes and points scored and everything. And this year, I think you can see that in him as well. I love what you said about his attitude, because his attitude is winner personification winner. You know, that's what he just carries about him. And I think his team has confidence in him to be able to pull through no matter the circumstances If it's Gio Bernard with that nice looking mustache, by the way, back there <laughs> at running back, or if it's Joe Mixon, which actually the team has performed better, I believe, without Joe Mixon back there because they're not leaning on him. They're leaning more on Burrow. Right. Sometimes when you have a guy like Joe Mixon, who you drafted relatively high and he gets some hype before the season, you feel some sort of obligation to run the offense through him, especially when you get in scoring spots. Right. You say, well, let's give him a carry or two here. Try to get him into the end zone. So you do have that sometimes. And then when you go to Gio Bernard, who's more of like a lifetime backup, you don't feel that obligation. You kind of play a little bit more wide open and you give him the ball when you feel like it and you don't feel like you're leaving him behind if you don't give him the rock. So that there, there could be something to that. Um, listen to the listeners. If we have people that are very NFL centric on here, do me a favor, go back, watch either the whole game, the national championship game last year in college football, or watch the throwing highlights of Joe Burrow, right? Remember during the year. And part of the reason I don't like college football that much is too many of the plays are completely uncontested because some of the offenses are way more sophisticated than the defenses. And that's how we end up with those games that are 70 to nothing or whatever, you know, 68 to 10. 
So I'm not too big during the regular season. But when I get further toward the end, like the national championship game, I'm locked in. I watch that whole game. Playing against Clemson, that's a real team. That's a real defense. That's, that's a real program. In that game, his ball placement was out of this world. Everybody in the world is watching, right? It's the biggest game of all. He just was on from the beginning of the game to the end. So go back if you don't like college and watch that game, and then you'll see the way he's translating that performance into what he's doing in the NFL this year. Yes, I, I agree with you. It, it's pretty fun to go back and watch those. But back to our Tennessee Titan versus the Chicago Bear game. All right. Mm -hmm. Titans are favored by five and a half. This point total is 46 and a half. Uh, do you see the Tennessee Titans bouncing back in this one? Because I see them bouncing back in a big way. Whoo, man, I'm sweating looking at this game. I'll tell you, the one thing that jumped out at me right away was a one point drop in the direction of the Bears. So you have the Titans as a six and a half point favorite to open up and they've dropped the point already now and it's Wednesday. And not only did they drop a point, they dropped on all five of the major books. So that has my attention. What this game is telling me is the Tennessee Titans are going to win by three points on a field goal late in the game, which means the Bears are going to cover the spread. And I got to tell you, Foles looked a lot better this past week. I watched the whole game against the Saints. I think he heard the chirping and he heard the noise and he said, it's put up or shut up, Nikki Foles, Philly special. I got to do my thing. So he played a lot better. So yeah, I mean, Montgomery, he showed a little bit as well. So you can throw him into some DFS you could try a little Mooney. You could try a little Allen Robinson. Um, forget about the tight ends. They still don't use them. So those are the guys on the Chicago side. Tennessee, of course, you always rock with Derrick Henry. Um, and the tight ends, it's been kind of messy over there. John o. Smith was a big mess this past week, and he hurt people in DFS. So Corey Davis has been the guy who's smoking hot. So I got Derrick Henry and Corey Davis on one side. You got Mooney, Allen Robinson, Montgomery. And maybe you go a little cute. Maybe you go cute with Nick Foles because nobody's going to use him on some teams in DFS. Yeah, Mooney is ready to break out. You were right on that one. And, of course, I got my Bears goggles on, and hopefully the listeners understand already not to trust me when it comes to a Chicago Bear game because I'm, I'm either burning it to the ground or I'm celebrating, one of the two. And, and there's probably needs to be the opposite, and I have no middle ground. But when I do look at this game, I saw a Chicago football team that was really frustrated last week, even though they were in that game. Mm -hmm. And you know what I saw? I saw a defense that didn't quit, even though their backs were put against the wall many, many times. And I'm sure that they felt frustrated. I remember the 85 Bears, uh, as they would walk off the field, they would, they, would tell, they would tell the offensive people, hey, just don't let them score. We'll score the ball for you. Just don't turn it over. You know, <laughs> we'll, get, we'll, we'll score for you. And that's kind of what I feel like the, the defense is like right now. And, you know, we talk about coaches being on the hot seat and Nagy is really on the hot seat with Pagano being on that defensive side of, you know, defensive coordinator who's been a head coach in the league before. And that defense is not quitting on him. It's getting really, really smoky there in Chicago right now. Yeah. I mean, and not to mention that Pagano is probably one of the most well-liked guys in yeah. all of the NFL, not just within that particular organization. So that never helps if you're the guy who's competing with him. Uh, for a spot, a lot of people tend to favor him. He's a really nice guy. He's done a good job, and he's really enthusiastic. He does remind me of Pete Carroll. You get that sense from him that he's very like, you know, let's keep the guys up and keep the guys behind me. Mm -hmm. Kind of has that personality. So, yeah, that that's something to look out for there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, it makes a lot of sense to me based on the line and then the scope of the season that the Bears would lose this game to go to 5-4, and four, right? I don't see them going to 6-3. and three but also with the movement of the line for them to cover. So I'm going to stick with that initial instinct. Okay. I'll take the Bears to cover the spread. 
Next one, we have Minnesota, of course, having that big victory last week in Green Bay. I think it was in Green Bay last week, and Detroit's coming in banged up a little bit. Kenny Galladay, he's not healthy at all. He's not going to play in this game. I don't see how Detroit is going to be able to win this interdivisional game on the road against Minnesota. Right now, this is sitting at a 52-and-a-half game total. It's come down three points, but it's gone up. From Minnesota, it started out at minus two on Minnesota. Now they're favored by four, John. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, it's a division rivalry. Uh, It's hard to trust the Vikings, obviously, given the nature of their season so far. But we have to. In this case, we have to because, again, it's only Wednesday. The line jumped two points. They went from a two-point favorite to a four-point favorite. And the action right now is still going the opposite way. It's 56% on Detroit. So all the indicators are lining up for the Vikings to win this game by more than four pretty easily. I'm going to predict a 10-point victory and an under. I'm going to go 30-20 to Minnesota. I mean, you got to ride the hot hand. Dalvin Cook is on another level, right? We got to talk about Dalvin Cook versus Derrick Henry versus Kamara. Who's the top? When you consider all the aspects of the position from a fantasy standpoint and from a scoring standpoint – Who's the top dog? I mean, Dalvin Cook is a freaking machine. He he could do it. He's stiff arms. He's fast in the open field. The main thing about Dalvin Cook more than anybody else is he's got that Emmett Smith vision, right? Emmett Smith, yeah. he wasn't the fastest guy in the building. Dalvin Cook's faster than him, but Emmett Smith always found the holes. He would stop, hesitate, go through. Think about Le'Veon Bell earlier in his career with the Steelers, the way he would kind of wait behind the line until things opened up. Now you do that with Dalvin Cook, who's about twice as fast as Le'Veon Bell, and you see why the Packers had no answer for him, why whenever he's healthy, nobody has an answer for him. So it sounds like that type of game where, once again, Dalvin Cook goes to town. Keep in mind, and this is really key, Jefferson and Thielen both struggled this past week. So I would imagine both guys are going to turn it around. So you figure Dalvin Cook goes from four touchdowns to one touchdown, but then you give a touchdown to Justin Jefferson, and you give a touchdown to Thielen, and now you end up with that 30-20 to Minnesota Vikings victory. Yeah, and, and I I don't see any, I haven't seen any news on Matthew Stafford. Uh, he missed practice ahead of this Vikings game. I guess that's what it is. That's why it's an undecided as far as quarterback goes for the Detroit Lions. So we're just putting that out there. I think both of us kidding? would say. Are you kidding me? I am. I'm, I just made a three for one trade for him two days ago. You got. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. No, Ian. Um, November yeah. November fourth, Lions place Matthew Stafford on the reserve COVID nineteen list. Oh. So he's he's done for to this. Wow. Well, he may. <laughs> Sorry, John. I, I, I can't even focus now. I'm furious. I'm. I'm. You know what? I'm gonna multitask. I'm going on my phone right now. I'm gonna see if I can get myself a quarterback. I mean, this okay. is this is ridiculous. I traded three players from because it's a super flex league. So obviously, you need the two quarterbacks. Um, I traded Baker Mayfield, who's on the buy. So that that's not too much of an issue. I traded Daryl Henderson, who's hurt and on the buy. So that's not really a big deal. But I traded uh, Sterling Shepard. Because I needed the quarterback, and Sterling Shepard's been looking pretty good for the Giants. So now I'm really angry. Um, yeah, every time you say Sterling Shepard, and I think it's the second time you've texted me or done something with me about Sterling Shepard, I keep I keep going back to the Green Bay Packers in the '80s and and Sterling Sharp. That's why I keep I keep I keep having that name pop in my head. And I I always see a Green Bay Pack when you say Sterling Shepard. I always instead of the Giants guy, I'm I'm always thinking. <laughs> I see the Green Bay Packer uniform is what I see, and I'm, it really it really confuses me. I look at my I look at myself in the mirror like a dog does, you know. I just what? 
What's going on? He's a he's a real popular guy, by the way, Sterling Shepard. Like uh, yeah. during the offseason, obviously, as you know, a lot of guys are on Twitter talking football and during COVID and just knocking around, killing time. And a lot of uh, lists came up, like you know, the top ten wide receivers, this and that. More people than I thought threw Sterling Sharp out there, which I was surprised by. He's very popular uh, in the wide receiver. The issue with him was he had a pretty short career multiple injuries but when he was healthy he was absolutely one of the best so you know something about that sterling name man i am talk about a live update i am not a happy camper let's go on to the next one because i'm really upset well i gotta give i'm gonna take minnesota as well and yes i agree with you that dalvin cook is i I gotta say and if it wasn't for the injuries i gotta say that he's probably the best running back in the league. And I'm sitting there trying to think about it right now. And I know what Derrick Henry is. I know what Aaron Jones is. Aaron Jones so gets as hurt as Dalvin Cook does. But Dalvin Cook carries that Minnesota Viking team. And Dalvin Cook, he can he can run it. He runs it between the tackles. No problem. Bounce it outside. No problem. You need him to receive the ball. No problem. And we saw what happened whenever he was out and Matson had to come in there. Matson had zero production. Dalvin Cook is playing this year with a chip on his shoulder. Because he said that he was the best running back in the league, not CMC. And and I'm sorry, but I like Dalvin Cook's toughness a little more than CMC. CMC is great. He's great in fantasy. But if I was building a franchise, I would want to hang my hat on Dalvin Cook instead of CMC. Maybe it's the body type. Maybe it's just not being able to trust CMC all the way yet because he's a Stanford kid instead of, you know, growing up in the, he, he, he seems like he's, okay, and please don't get, don't, don't be upset at me, CMC, if you hear this. But whenever I think of Stanford, I I think of spoiled kids, you know what I mean? <laughs> Something like that. So I'm just not like, he's a, not NFL tough. And I think Dalvin Cook is NFL tough. So I always pick Dalvin Cook as the best running back in this league. Yeah. I mean, I can't disagree with you there. I mean, obviously some people are going to take CMC. Uh, some people will take Kamara, and by the way, he's got a heavy workload as well. Yeah. Because that Saints team with Michael Thomas being out, I mean, think of it this way. How does Kamara do what he does when everybody mm. in the building knows he's going to be getting the ball most of the time because they're so short on weapons right now? Yeah. With Emmanuel Sanders was out. Michael Thomas has been out the whole time. Jared Cook's starting to show his age, right? He looks like an old man out there. So, I mean, it's pretty amazing when he does, but I agree with you all around. Consider all the aspects. And also – he can lay the physicality on you as well, right? It doesn't have to always be the finesse in the all-around game. He could just lay into you at the goal line and get the job done. So I'm not going to disagree with you there. Uh, he's certainly a, a superstar player at this point, and we're both taking Minnesota. They're both taking Minnesota. Next game, Baltimore led by Lamar Jackson against those Indianapolis Colts and Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers has found the fountain of youth. He has found a home in Indianapolis, and it may be that offensive line that makes him feel a little bit more comfortable. Maybe he's realizing he's not seeing those ghosts charge in at him. Maybe he's not getting sacked as much. And now he's just like, okay, take your time, Philip. Find the open receiver. Find the right guy. And he was hooking up with Naheem Hines last week. All the public bets are coming in on Baltimore's side right now, 64% to 36. Baltimore is actually favored by two and a half points in this one. And the game total is at 47 right now, John. <sighs> I love the Indianapolis Colts defense against the Baltimore uh, Lamar Jackson-led Ravens. Yep, yep. I'm with you all the way on this one. I, I think this one's pretty obvious, right? As we said, the money is coming in on Baltimore early. That'll probably continue to go up because they're just a sexier team between the two of them. And I think there's going to be a hangover. That was a tough pill to swallow for the Ravens to get all the way down there a couple of times and get close to pulling that game away from the Steelers in a division rivalry. 
And at the end, in the back of their mind, they come away saying, maybe Lamar Jackson just can't beat the good teams. Maybe that's it. Maybe there's nothing else that can be done. So with that and that little hangover from a back-and-forth tight game, uh, Indianapolis is hot right now. They're on the come up. The offense is looking better. The defense is already in the top three, right? Uh, so I think with all those factors combined, we got to take the Colts. Um, I'm not too really – I'm not that interested in Rivers for fantasy this week and Jonathan mm-hmm. Taylor as an injury. Mm-hmm. I don't think Hines can repeat, and I don't think Wilkins can repeat. So it, to me, it, what it feels like is a team effort all around all three facets of the game for the Colts. Like you said, I'm more likely here to take the Colts defense and DFS than anything else and kind of look for that all around effort from the team on the Ravens side. At least the over under is 47 and Lamar Jackson's going to be mad after that loss. So even if he does turn it over a couple of times, I bet you get you about 70 rushing yards. So you could still use Lamar Jackson in this game. Obviously the running backs have been disappointing for the Ravens. So I would stay away from them. The guy to watch is going to be Marquise Hollywood Brown because he complained openly in the media that he's not getting enough looks. Usually most teams, if they don't want to alienate their players, will at least feed the guy the, the week after he says something. That's very mm-hmm. common in the NFL. So if it's a guy that they want to get rid of and they don't care about, they're not going to pay attention to it. But if it's somebody they want to keep happy, this is where they're going to feed him. So I got Lamar Jackson and Hollywood. And if you got to go Colts, I'll take the Colts defense. And I'm taking the Colts to cover the spread. And it looks like it's going to be just a slight over. The line went from 45 to 47. This feels like a 49 final score or a 50 final score. I was going to say, if this if this game total, which it's not going to do because that'd be a five-point jump, if it was at 50, I would take the under in this one because I could see this one being a defensive struggle all the way through. And I, I don't – if Hollywood Brown is complaining, the problem is I don't know that Lamar Jackson can get him the ball to give him a little bit of oil to stop that squeaky wheel. I don't know that Lamar Jackson knows how to fix a squeaky wheel right now on the offensive side of the ball when it comes to him throwing it to him. He he he, he completes about 50% of the passes, John. That's yeah, not really good not, for a co- – It's not Lamar Jackson, though. It's going to be Harbaugh. Just be clear, but oh. it would be the coach. It would be the coach deciding we're going to get this guy more involved and lose him. But you don't, that may not be true. He may not want to do that. So you could still be right that they don't get it to him. But it's not going to be up to Lamar. This would be pregame. Them saying, okay, it's bad. Hollywood's getting six targets. You know what I mean? I understand that. I just don't know that he can get any catches out of those targets because I don't know that Lamar can deliver from the ball. But uh, we both we're both in agreement. Let's not spend any more time on this game. Let's go on to the next one. We've got Carolina coming off that tough loss, that tough loss on uh, Thursday night last week. But they got to face against the Kansas City Chiefs this week. And right now it's a pick 'em. And that's probably because this point spread, Kansas City is being favored by ten and a half points. This over-under or this point total for the game is at 52.5, John. It's already jumped up 2.5 points. I could almost see this game jumping up another 2 points before it's all said and done. Right. This game. There's one word for this game. It's effort. Will the Chiefs do what they did last week against the Jets, right? Pat Mahomes made a comment, and this is true, that he felt fantasy owners were disrespecting him. You know, joking around. He's, he's a loose guy. He's not like a guy that's going to be offended if he's if people are not paying attention to him in fantasy. But he made a loose comment. He said, I, I'm here to remind fantasy owners what I can do. And, of course, he had that monster game against the Jets. The question is, does he want to do that again this week? And, again, this is a game that's a foregone conclusion. The Panthers are not beating the Chiefs. It's not happening. I'm sorry. So for the fit picks, we're locking in the, the Chiefs, and that's, a, that's an easy go. Uh, so the question is, are they going to give that effort again? We don't have the answer right now. I'm going to guess yes. 
because I thought Bridgewater was Falcons. I mean, down there with the worst performances I've seen. He it was just he had no arm strength. His decision making was as soon as I drop back, I'm just gonna check down to the guy right here. Even if it's third and ten, I'm gonna check down for a two yard gain. Where's that gonna get you? You know what I mean? His awareness was off, his timing was off, his throwing was off. He looks like he's getting tired because he hasn't had a season as a starter for a long time. So I'm gonna bank on that. So I'm gonna take the Chiefs to win this one by 17. I'm gonna go with all the guys that I went with last week, just go with the regular group. Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey, Hardman. The running backs have been tricky now, splitting the carry, so I'm going to ignore the two running backs, but I'll go with those other guys. And then for Carolina, DJ Moore did nothing last week, so if I had to pick one of their guys to do something, it would be DJ Moore. I'm going to agree with you on the Kansas and I do see them scoring a lot of points here. And I was making the same observations about Teddy Bridgewater, and he did get banged up in that game by a cheap shot by the Atlanta Falcon uh, linebacker or lineman, whatever it was. And he so so maybe that that influenced him a little bit to not be as fast. CMC might play in this game. I almost want to say that Carolina might be able to get a backdoor cover until I started thinking about, like you said, how tired Teddy Bridgewater appeared to me. His inability to make good decisions against that Atlanta Falcon defense. And let me just tell you, if we were lining up every team at the goal line and and making them race to see which team was the fastest team in the NFL, I think Kansas City would just totally blow the roof off of that place, blow everybody out of the water, because that team is just so fast all the way around. You put a tired Teddy Bridgewater, a banged-up Teddy Bridgewater, a rusty CMC up against this Kansas City Chief defense flying all over the place, I'm going to take the Chiefs every day of the week. Yeah, I mean, uh, they're definitely up there in the top two or three. There's no arguments from me there. Um, And listen, man, like I said, pretty amazing what Andy Reid has done, right? All this being said, they got the talent. But there's a lot of teams that have the speed and they have the ability and the natural players. He just continues to evolve this team from day to day. That's how specific he is. Yeah, we say, oh, this team did that over the offseason. They got better this way. Day to day, the Chiefs are an ever-changing organism. And this team, you can't figure them out on both sides of the ball now. Even when the Chiefs defense tries hard, they're up to the top seven or eight. Sometimes I think they get a little bit complacent because they know the offense is going to take care of their half of the ball. My dad had an old saying in baseball. He's a coach for many, many years. He would say when a good pitcher's on the mound, everybody just stands around and watches. It's the same thing with the Chiefs, right? When their offense is going, well, what does the defense really have to do? They're going to win the game anyway. You know what I mean? So, But when the effort is there, they can beat you on both sides of the ball. So I'm with you all the way on those KC Chiefs. And I'm going to take the over on any game where Kansas City's involved, and the, the point total is not 55. I'm, it's, it's going to be a no-brain decision for me for the rest of the year. I just think that it's going to be able to happen. That's me. Yeah. All right. We got Houston, the Houston Texans against the new quarterback-led Jacksonville Jaguars. What, what's his name? Luton? Lutton? <laughs> yeah, Lutton. Lutton. I've I got to tell you. i got to tell you the truth. I never heard of this guy other than the fact that I was looking to maybe pick him up in that super flex I was talking about just because I was going to stash him on the bench if he comes in with some magic. But he sounds like he's going to be another Danucci. That's just my guess. And we we called that, that that was going to be a nightmare. So I'm going Texans. I'm not even thinking twice on this game. I'm going Texans all the way. Deshaun Watson will shine. Uh, right? Going to spread that ball around to the receivers. Problem for them is Akins might be back, so that kind of muddies the water on the tight end position. So I'd rather just go with Watson and not worry about the other positions for this week in DFS. On the Jacksonville side, obviously, 
with Lutton playing quarterback, they're going to lead on Robinson in the running game. The question is, with the box being stacked defensively, can he still perform at the same level? You're going to have to take a chance. You're going to have to take a chance that he will because he's going to get so many touches. So the, it's it's the obvious guys, but it's the right guys to play in this game. So I'm taking the Texans. I'm taking the under because I don't expect a lot out of Lutton. And I'm taking on each side Watson and Robinson for my fantasy place. Okay, and I was thinking about that over-under as well. And, yes, I'm agreeing with you on the Houston Texans. It's a no-brainer right there. I could see this being an offensive side. You know, no trades. No trades Tuesday, John, in the in the NFL. Uh, really disappointing. I know everybody's always wanting to see teams trade and move people around, but it just doesn't ever happen uh, in the NFL at all. Yeah, it doesn't happen because I think teams get in a situation where the, this is a smart league. Right, there's a lot of smart coaches and general managers and guys up top and gals up top. Right. So with that being said, teams get in a situation where they're leveraging you too much. They're like, Oh, you're gonna lose that guy next year. So I'm not giving you anything of value. So then the team that's making the trade in the first place is thinking, Why should I make this team that's a competitor of mine, no matter what it is, if it's in the other conference, another division, it doesn't matter. There's still a competitor of yours in the pool of the NFL. Why should I make them better? just because this guy's not going to be on my team next year. Why should I give them a better chance to win the Super Bowl now or the better chance to make a playoff run now? That's what happens is they're getting leveraged too much by the other teams being smart and saying, well, either you trade this guy or you get nothing for him. So that's what's happening, and it ends up being a standstill. The teams say, you know what, I'll keep this guy on my team now. Maybe he has a good rest of the year. Maybe at the end of the day we decide to keep him. So we'd rather keep him now rather than give him away from somebody else's team. Yeah, and I think Jacksonville is mailing this season in right now, trying to make sure that they get a very high draft pick, if not the highest draft pick, so that they can get a brand new quarterback. So I'm going to take Houston. And I, I like what you said about the under. I just I don't know that I trust Houston. I don't know. Man. I, I, yeah, I would take the under, too. Never mind. It's 50. It's 50. It should be in the 40s. So that's that was no-brainer. This uh, This one looks like the over to me. In this next game, the New York Giants versus the Washington Redskins. Washington Redskins right now are favored by three points, and this point total is only 41 and a half points. I know both of these teams struggle to get the ball in the end zone, but 41 and a half points is a very low point total for two NFL teams that can snap the football. Did you uh, did you check the weather on that? Because that is odd. It does I did. I, I looked. I just I just clicked it. And it says it's going to be 70 degrees and sunny. Doesn't make any sense. If that's the, if that's not fishy, I don't know what is. Yes, <laughs> last time those two teams played, it was sloppy. It was messy. But I will say, Daniel Jones, even though he has those late turnovers, he's picking things up a little bit in terms of production, fantasy production, tossing the rock around. That has, again, back to Shepard, when you add another guy that can make some things happen and open things up for the other players – like my buddy Golden Tate, the solid veteran, made the huge touchdown catch in that game. So it does open things up for other guys. Ingram looking better. Uh, Slayton had some routes that he ran where he was wide open. So it does open things up. So they are on a steady incline, albeit mm -hmm. a small one, right? It's not a huge, but it's steady. And the same thing for Washington. They're also on a steady incline from switching from Haskins to Kyle Allen. So you would think from a logic standpoint, this game would at least get to 45 to 48 points although the lines go in the opposite direction, 43 to 41 and a half or 41. Book you look at. You know what? With you, buddy, just because both teams are doing a little bit better, I'm going to take the over in this game. Uh, the line is dropped from three and a half to three 
for the Washington football team, 44% on them. There is absolutely zero edge on betting this game with the spread. Zero, none, zilch. So if you are an actual better out there, a maniac, gambling degenerate, don't bet this game. If you're going to bet the whole board, leave off this one. Um, I'm going to go with my gut here. I'm just going to say that the Giants are upset, and and it was a real tough loss. They came down to the two-point conversion at the end of the game on national TV, and they just keep falling short. So I'm going to go one more time. The Giants are going to fall short. The spread is three points. I'm going to take the Washington football team to win this game by four. I'm going to use Antonio Gibson and Logan Thomas for my fantasy rosters. I'm going to take Washington as well. They were on a bye week last week, and so I'm going to say that Ron Rivera-led coaching staff is going to be able to prepare well enough for the against the New York Giants to be able to win this game by more than three. The Giants just aren't able to put it together. John, if they could ever just get out of their own way, which I don't know that any NFL team can. Once you start saying that about an NFL team, it's really hard to do that. Atlanta's trying to overcome that kind of situation, but the New York Giants just can't get out of their own way. But if they ever can just put it together, I could see this team going on a little winning streak. I really could. And I know James Bradbury is going to probably be able to shut down uh, McLaurin. And so maybe that's why Maybe they look at both of these defenses. I just could see this going over 41 and a half pretty easy. So well, I will really good take point, over. By the way, Wes, that's a great point because if they do think that's going to happen, who else is going to hurt you from the Washington football team? And that's, I agree with you. That's, that's why I think that's going to be an issue for McLaurin. So that's why I like Logan Thomas and Antonio mm-hmm. Gibson. And maybe you get some sneaky points from JD McKissick, who also sometimes can get four or five catches. So really good point by you. And that's probably what the lines makers are thinking. Maybe those other guys can't do enough to get to that over. Yeah. And you can always find good points by me over at loafing it on Twitter. Well, at least points. Okay. You need counterpoints. You can counterpoint it. You can try to convince me otherwise. That's fine with me, but you can find me on Twitter at loafing it on Twitter. Don't forget to follow the show and all the other podcasts that are here on the fantasy impact today network over at FI today with a little underscore on Twitter as well. And John, Tell them every place that they can find you because you are in many, many areas, and I love your article that you always release on Tuesdays. Oh, thank you very much, my friend. So, yeah, that's that's over at Aaron Torres Online where I'm the senior fantasy writer. Uh, it comes out before the waiver and everything hits every week, the free agents and whatnot. So it'll give you the hot pickups for the week at each position. This week is focused on tight end, obviously, with George Kittle being out. So get some good information there. Jump over there as soon as you can. Um, of course, the John Frisella blog, John Frisella Sports at uh, blogspot.com. So you can find me there as well. And then, of course, right here with Wes Easley and the whole gang in the fit team. And, uh, you know, I'm all over the place, guys. At Legend Sports 7, Twitter, hit me up all day. I'm working 24-7. We don't stop. And make sure you head over to Anchor FM as well. You can find whatever listening platform you like to listen to the show on. You can subscribe to it there. FitFam, you've been doing a great job. They're doing a fantastic job, and I hope to reward you here around the holidays, give you opportunities to be able to win some different things and different uh, uh, rewards for being such a good fit family and spreading the word about this. You either tweet it out or else you send it in a text message to somebody else. And I just appreciate you doing that. Thank you so much. If you happen to find the platform that you like over on Anchor FM, if it's iTunes, make sure you slap those stars. Make sure you leave a review on whatever platform you do like listening to the program on. And we just thank you so much for your support. All right, Johnny, next one. Your Las Vegas Raiders versus the Los Angeles Chargers. This is a crazy-looking game to me because 61% of the people trust that the Las Vegas Raiders— I think we need to recount that. 
I think we I think that needs to be recounted somehow because how how are they trusting 61 percent of the votes coming in on the Las Vegas Raiders against the Los Angeles Chargers who have just been lighting it up offensively right now this this point total has dropped since the beginning of the week it's only Wednesday and it's already dropped four points started out at 56 it's dropped down to 52 and right now the Chargers are favored by one point. Yeah, it's creeping down. It's creeping down pretty quick, right? From three to one that fast this early mm-hmm. in the week. Uh, it seems to me like this game is heading towards uh, one of those situations that comes right down to the wire, and it may even be a pick em by the time we get to it. So just to be clear on the terminology, Wes likes to use the phrase pick em to refer to the percentages being around 50-50. That, of course, is not technically the terminology a pick'em would be if the line in the game is zero points. And I think that's where we're headed in this game. I, we're headed for a true pick'em. I think when we get closer to the kickoff, it will be a zero-point spread. So you're just going to have to pick your poison. Right now, it's only 39% on the Chargers. Uh, this is a wacky one. All the mm-hmm. indicators are crossing up. The lines are all crossed. Nobody knows what's going on. It sounds to me like the Raiders are going to find a way to pull this one out. So I'm going to go with Derek Carr in some DFS plays there. Uh, I'm going to stay off of Jacobs because he had too many carries. He had about 30 carries last week, so he's a little bit overworked. So I'm going to stay off of Jacobs in this one. I'm going to go with Darren Waller to come back around here. So I like the Carr to Waller combination on the Raiders' side. And for the Chargers, you see Pope coming up now in that back. Josh Kelly falling off. So you got Pope and Jackson. You're going to have to mix and match those low salaries on DraftKings there. And then Mike Williams, who I mentioned before, is getting hot. He's starting to come on now with Herbert. So I like uh, Mike Williams. Pick your poison on one of those running backs. And then Carr and Waller on the other side. And I'm taking the Raiders to cover the spread in a squeaker. In a squeaker. I like how the Raiders are finding ways to win every single ball game. You know, hey, Kansas City, you want to get into a shootout? Let's shoot it out there, buddy Rowe. You know, let's meet in the middle of the road in the deserted uh, uh, Cowboy Island. But we call it Cowboy. A cat yeah, goes down. That is correct, yeah. right? Where where you see the tumbleweed floating, right? You know, that famous shot with yeah. the tumbleweeds floating through the empty town. It's a ghost town. You're right. So Derek wow, Carr. Beautiful. And- that, was, that was very well done. Was it? Well, I'm, I'm a little dry. I'm a little dry today, so I didn't get to whistle as quite. But, you know, Derek Carr and Patrick Mahomes met out there, and they had a shootout, and they won that game. Then they go over to, to uh, Cleveland, and it's just terrible weather, and they're like, okay, you want to ground and pound? we got to ground and pound this one. Let's do it. Let's hand the ball off, what, uh, I think it was 80 times. I think you underestimated to Josh Jacobs. They hand that ball off all the time. So they're finding ways to win a game. And we saw the Chargers fold a little bit last week, right, against the Denver Broncos. Yeah, we Not did. Necess- not necessarily knowing how to win a game. And I think the Las Vegas Raiders, with their experience, with their coaching, will find a way to win this game, even though they are on the road. I, I just, I see this one. John, you know what this one takes me back to? Is my youth, man. This, this, when I was, when, when I first started loving football, and it was that afternoon NBC game, and you, you had, oh, man, you had Dan Fouts passing the ball to Kellen Winslow. Oh man, and you had the char- you had the the Raiders, and you had Ken Stabler, Marcus Allen. I don't know if Ken Stabler was there, but you had Marcus Allen playing against in the in the backfield. Oh, dude, man, those were some great games. Yeah, did you who'd you say Dan Fouts or Ken Stabler? Who'd you say before? Well, what I said I said them both, but Dan Fouts for the Chargers and Air Coriel. 
Right. It's funny that you say that because whenever my dad flashes back to games and quarterbacks from that time period, those are the same quarterbacks that he mentions. So it must yeah. have been like their games were popular on national TV because, of course, you know, I'm from New York. So our local games are usually New York. So the, the games that they were playing outside of the realm of our area must have been those quarterbacks because it's the same exact names I always hear. I hear Kenny Stabler and Dan Fouts. So there must – I mean, obviously, you're talking Hall of Fame type guys, so I'm not surprised. But they really must have had an impact, um, you know, playing days. You know, and Jim Plunkett. Jim Plunkett was probably the quarterback for the Las Vegas Raiders or the Oakland Raiders at that time. And, of course, I got to see Madden coach a little bit in there during those heyday years. Oh, that was that was one of the best rivalries that there was. And I wish – I think his name – and, and I, there was a – you know how I am with names. But I want to say his, his name was Michael Hayes that played a, a defensive back for the Las Vegas Raiders. I, I'm pretty sure his last name was Hayes. And he always got accused of having stick him on his hands. You know, back in the day before they used before everybody wore a glove and the, and the gloves nowadays, I think you could stick a two by four on the 50 yard line and Patrick Mahomes could throw it to the two by four with a glove sitting on the end of it. And the, and the ball would just stick right to the glove. It doesn't it wouldn't even come off. I wish they would make I wish they would make it a rule and you know how I am with rules and everything and I you know how I am old school I wish they would make it a rule that the receivers and tight ends and 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 the running backs could not wear gloves no yeah, more that, advantages That's not going to happen are you I mean come on <laughs> look, look at what happened in the last 5 years in this league right not only do you have everybody getting more intelligent with the play calling and a lot of young coaches coming in with exotic stuff, exotic packages and things that nobody's ever seen, or at least the defensive timing is off. Not only do you have that, you have every rule in the book is protecting the offensive players. That's, that's why if you can get a cornerback who is a good player these days without getting penalties, it's like a miracle, right? So you got all that going on. So they're never going to have anything that's going to stop the offensive guys from getting points because I'm sure those executives sitting up there in the suits in the boardroom, they're saying, hey, man, when we look at the ratings, it's not good ratings for those games that are ground and pound, physical, old school, 1960s football. The games that are you know in the 50s and 60s, that's where we're getting the good ratings. So they're going to do whatever they can to keep that going. And by the way, really good point by you, which is that this past week alone, I saw with my own two eyes, five one-handed catches. Out of those five one-handed catches, three of them were with the off arm, the non-strong arm of the player. So, And I saw Jarvis Landry do it twice in one game. So you're, you're right. I mean, it's like you could just stick anything to it at this point. It's a, there's no way it's getting past them. Yeah, so we're both going to take the Raiders. I'm going to take the over in this one. I do see in this. I, I see this one being a shootout. I see this one being a shootout more so than what than the, than the other way. And and simply like you said, the passing game is going to be really involved for the Raiders because they will take it easy on Josh Jacobs. This might be a sneaky, a sneaky Devin Booker play because they they're going to need to rest Jacobs a little bit. I think in this game that was a lot of that's a big workload for him. And he's always been one of those players that gets a little bit nicked up, a little bit tired all the way back to his Alabama days. So I could see Devin Booker getting some carries here, maybe maybe a little bit more than expected, 10 to 12 carries. I got to tell you, that is a sneaky play that you could take the shooting guard from the Phoenix Suns and you could put him in the Raiders backfield, right? You, talk, you said Devin Booker twice. So you're going to you're going to go so sneaky oh. that you're going to you're going to reach <laughs> you're going to reach into the NBA. You're going to pull in an NBA player. I believe who I believe is dating a Kardashian right now. So he's really, you know, he's already in the headlines as it is. Now you're taking a basketball player. You're putting him on the Raiders. You're plugging him into DraftKings as a sneaky play as a running back, which, you know, if I was going to take a wide receiver, you know, if I was going to take a basketball player at a shooting guard, I'd put him at wide receiver. I wouldn't put him at running back. So what you're doing here is next level. This is like put on that headset, 
put it on backwards, upside down, send it to the moon, bring what Devin was- Booker back on a, on a spaceship, and put him in a backfield with the Raiders. That's what it what, sounds like to me. Was I close? Was I close to it? Who is it then? Devontae Booker. Oh, come on, man. That is so close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Devin Booker's still on an island with the Kardashians right now. Right, so, yeah. right. And, and yeah. good so, No, let's scratch him off the list. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, listen. I, I got to do the, me and the missus got to do some food shopping, and we got to set up okay. for a party this weekend. All so, right. we're going to go rapid fire through the final four games on the schedule. I'm going to get a start. We got Pittsburgh Steelers. At the Dallas Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys have already announced that they are benching Ben DiNucci, who had a very short-lived run as the starting quarterback. The line is gone from 13.5 points in favor of the Steelers in a road game to now climbing on certain sites to 14 points. So they're thinking possible blowout here. 70% of the wagers are on the Steelers. Where are you going, Wes? We got Cowboys and Steelers, two of the old-school teams. Who you got? I got Steelers. That's I'm not going to overthink that game at all. And the 41 and a half, that's fine. Right. So you're going to go Steelers, and we're going to assume that with their top-rated defense and whoever's playing quarterback for the Cowboys, which is either going to be Cooper Rush or Garrett Gilbert. Either way, what's eating Gilbert great? That was a movie with Leonardo mm-hmm. DiCaprio. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he's better off acting in a movie than playing quarterback in this game against the Steelers. So I think the Steelers will probably blow the doors off, and we can fire up all the guys in DFS. Uh, let's just, I'll peg him for a 21 point victory, three touchdowns. How's I that? will agree. I know that's, that's perfect. The next one, we got uh, the Tua Tagovailoa against Kyler Murray, a couple of young quarterbacks right here. Arizona is favored by five points. This point total is sitting at 48 right now. I cannot see how Miami can keep up with Arizona offense. All. They won't be able to have a big, as big of a defensive game as they did last week. So I'm going to take Arizona big time in this one. I do not shy away from that five points at all. I will take Arizona. I'll leave the points alone, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, you said this week you were going to go against me more. This time you got to go first, so it doesn't count. But obviously I'm going to take Arizona because the line's already gone up one point from four to five. So now they're a five-point favorite. Uh, the Dolphins are just way too hot right now considering the change of quarterback and the fact they won three in a row and their defense looks so good. Now you're going against a way more exotic and a trickier offense with a running quarterback, arguably the fastest quarterback in the league. So I'm with you all the way. This, this to me is more of a no brainer than the preceding game. I'm more confident in the Cardinals covering the spread than the Steelers only because that Steelers line is 14 points. You never know about a random backdoor. So we'll go Steelers in the last game. We'll go Cardinals in this game. Fire up those Cardinals for fantasy purposes. I also like the Arizona defense as a DFS play uh, in the DraftKings. Oh, yeah. And I didn't say I was going to go against you. I just said I wasn't going to flip-flop. I I just said you're not going to convince me. I'm writing down every pick before you even start talking, my friend, just Mm. so I know which one I'm going. And I'm not scratching it off. No, I didn't scratch off anything. So, see, you're not, you're just not making me waffle. No waffles. All, All right, New no, Orleans. No waffles, no waffles in the toaster oven. Now we get to the biggest game of the week, hands down. Everybody's looking forward to it. They're pumping it up big time in the commercials. They were pumping it up during last night, uh, last week's Sunday night game, and it's the old gunslingers who. It's really funny. They've been passing each other throughout the season on the all-time list. It's an active competition between Drew Brees and Tom Brady. We got Saints and Bucks. We have right now in a home game, the Buccaneers are four and a half point favorites going upwards, going toward five and five and a half on certain sites. Who you got, my man? This is the two legends, the Hall of Fame battle. Big game, 8.20 p.m. 
Yes, I, and to me, I haven't seen Tampa Bay play up to that competition yet. Every mm-hmm. time Tom Brady starts finding a little resistance on the defensive side of the ball uh, that he's opposing, he, he seems to come up a little bit short. All right, so he seems to come up a little bit short. I don't think Godwin's going to be expected back, and this is my conspiracy theory for this week. Okay. Maybe New Orleans was just holding out Michael Thomas until this Tampa Bay game, until it got down to the nitty-gritty. Right. So then there's no film on what they're doing. There's no way to expect what's going on. There's Mm -hmm. doubt in everybody's mind whether or not Michael Thomas is going to be able to play or whether or not he's going to play. And I haven't heard that he's ruled out this week at all. So my theory is, is that New Orleans is going to come out firing. They've been waiting for this game. They're not going to let Tom Brady come. And and I know that's not in in, uh, it's not in New Orleans. It's in Tampa Bay. Uh, They're not going to let him fire up the cannons very often. I'm going to take New Orleans in this game. And I got another crazy prediction for this one. I might save it for JB unless you want me to reveal it now. No, go ahead. What do you got? So New Orleans backfield, right? They've always been a little punky. That's what I would call them, punkish. You know what I'm saying? Like they're always looking for a fight. And Tampa Bay, Mike Evans is always getting into a fight with those New Orleans Saints. Whoa, 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 whoa. You mean defensive backfield. You said backfield. So I'm thinking Alvin Kamara doesn't really get in fights. You mean mean cornerbacks and, and safeties? Yes, yes, I'm sorry, defensive backfield. And Mike Evans always seems to be getting into fights with those New Orleans Saints. This is, to me, it looks like an opportunity for Mike Evans to get ejected early in this game because (laughs) they like to get under their skin. You saw it happen last week in Chicago, and now there's a couple of players for the defensive backfield for the New Orleans Saints that are really getting underneath those wide receiver skin. And Mike Evans, we've talked about it earlier this year, he's one of those players that I wanted to call a little bit dirty right? A little bit dirty. And so he doesn't mind mixing it up. And so I could see punches being thrown in this. And I just, I'm I'm not going to trust Mike Evans this week. He doesn't play well angry and he may even get ejected. That's my theory. I'm not, I'm not playing Mike Evans this week. We We got the Michael Thomas theory and the Mike Evans theory, (laughs) uh, courtesy of loafing it at loafing it West easily our host here at the fit network. I'm going to make this nice and easy for you. Number one, what you said about the bucks against the good teams is dead wrong. What happened against Green Bay? And it was the same situation. Two of the elite veteran quarterbacks against each other. They blew the doors off Green Bay. And now the line in this game is going up, and it's only 48% on them. So I'm taking Tom Brady and the Bucks. I'm taking them to win it by 7 or 10 if they get really lucky. They'll win it by 10. Um, that's where I'm going. And that leads us into the last game, which you couldn't have a polar opposite from what we just talked about. We got the toilet bowl. Right, there's the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl, and we got the Toilet Bowl. The Toilet Bowl is the Jets and the Patriots on Monday Night Football. I don't even want. I started crying as I was pumping this game up right now, not in a positive way. I'm very. I, it's it's embarrassing to me that people are going to have to watch the Jets for the second time on national TV. Take it away. I can't. I'm sweating, Wes. You take it away. Well, you got both teams that just are underperforming drastically, and I don't know that you could say the Jets are underperforming at all, but I think people expected maybe a little bit more out of them this season. I know they expected a lot more out of New England. In this game, you can see Cam Newton trying to establish himself again, but that pay, that, that Jet defense just doesn't ever quit, so I could see a little bit of headaches for him. John, this point total is 42 and a half. It's right now the New England Patriots favored by seven. For me, whenever I look at this game, I could see the Jets. I see this being a really close game. I see the Patriots ending up pulling this out at the end, but not being able to cover that seven-point spread. So I'm going to take your Jets in this one just to be able to cover the spread. I have to go the same way because I find it highly unlikely that Sam Darnold is going to see ghosts, quote-unquote, on national TV 
against this version of the Patriots who are two and five and they're one bad game away from tearing it down, right? If the Jets find mm-hmm. a way to win this game and oh. they end their, their streak here of losing, that's going to be it for Cam Newton. They're going to switch to Stidham and they're going to go into full tank mode. So yeah, they're right on the cusp. This is not a team where Darnold's going to choke in a major way, or even if he doesn't play well, it's going to be an ugly low scoring game. So I agree. I do think the Patriots will stay alive by winning the game, but I do think the Jets will cover. So we're on the same page in that game. I don't see a lot of fantasy plays. You know what I do see? The sneaky play is going to be the Jets defense because they're going to do a showdown, right? Because it's a one-game scenario on DraftKings. In the showdown, no one's going to use the Jets D. They're going to prefer the the Patriots D. But because the over-under is only 42, you can play that Jets D and try to be sneaky and try to trick them into a couple of turnovers there. So that would be my play in that game. I would agree with you on that, and I can't take – by the way, I'm going to take the over in that New Orleans-Tampa Bay game. I really like the over in that game, 51-and-a-half. I know they're both good defensive teams, but I could just see more scoring than that on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the under just because I think that the, like I said, 7- or 10-point win for the Bucks, and it's going to hover around that other one that was at 51-and-a-half, which was an earlier game we talked about, uh, where it's like around 30-20. So I'm thinking of like 27-20 or 30-20. to 20. Uh, in favor of the Bucks. All right. All right. Good week again, John, of being able to talk about these things. Let me give out my three breadwinners, if you do not mind, sir. Sure. I will take the breadwinners. I will take the over in that Atlanta-Denver game. I will. It's only it's 50 points right now, so I will take the over in that one. I will also take the over in the Washington and New York Giant game. It's sitting at 41 and a half right now. I think that one's an easy one, and I think the easiest one on the, on the table, which <laughs> might mean that it's wrong, might mean I'm toast on that one, is the Arizona Cardinals covering five points right now. So that, that's those are my three breadwinners. Yeah, I can't, I can't really argue with that. I mean, just for the sake of not having the same picks, I'll stay off the Arizona game, even though you know that I like that one as well. Obviously, I'm taking Minnesota. By the way, we talked about guys that are degenerate bettors earlier in this episode. If you're a degenerate, get in there really quick and bet the Vikings now before the word gets out there too wide that Stafford is not playing. Right? They know already, oh, but yeah. the line hasn't moved too much. It's only moved two points. Get it before the, the Vikings are minus eight. Right now, they're minus four. So that's a lock. I'm taking Minnesota. I'm locking them right now at minus four. four. I'm mm-hmm. taking Indianapolis. We talked about that nice sleeper play against the Ravens. So that's definitely a pick for me. And I'm going against the quarterback playing for the first time, Luton. I'm going to go against him, and I'm going to take the Houston Texans. All right. That sounds like a good one right there, John. I appreciate it. Have fun this weekend, my friend. It's a great time to uh, celebrate. Thank you very much, my friend. We're looking forward to it. All good things. Uh, shout to everybody out there, all listeners, wishing you the best with your families at this difficult time in our history. And we got an election going on, and it's crazy, and the weather's getting cold. So wishing everybody the best. <laughs> Keep tuning in at Legend Sports 7, Aaron Torres Online, Fit Network, Wes Easley, at Loafin' It. JB Barry, fantasy coach JB. So, you know, tune into the whole gang and uh, keep, keep your head up, guys and gals, as we head into this holiday season. And make sure you do follow the show over there at FI Today with a little underscore. You can find all the hosts right underneath the bio. Make sure you follow each and every one of them all the way from Pierre to uh, John Barry, like, like, uh, like John Legend. John Legend. I called you John Legend. You see, I did that just for you because that, I know that's you. That's the fourth time you've done that. And he's J.B. Barry, not John Barry. Did John I say Barry, John Barry? John Barry is a referee. He's a referee in the NFL. So I he, think he did the gong show, episode, too. In this episode alone, you got John Barry and Devin Booker making appearances that we weren't expecting. So you never know what you're going to get when you tune into the John Postella show on Fit Network. 
What do you think Vegas sets my uh, errors at for names? Uh, we- uh, errors for names? I mean, I got to say, other than that, you were pretty good today. Thank you. Uh, you know, if we do a super four. show four even longer than this one, I got to think the over-under is four and a half. Yeah, well, maybe I'm not as rushed, so that kind of plays into it as well. But you can find John over at Legend Sports 7 on Twitter. You can understand why I can get a little bit confused on that. Don't forget to follow me at Loafinit on Twitter. Hopefully I spell a little bit more than I speak, uh, better than I speak, but I, I don't think that that's true at all. And don't forget to head over to Anchor FM and, and look for the show on there. Find out whatever listening platform you like to listen to podcasts on. You can find it right there and then subscribe. Share it with your friends. Make sure you slap those stars around if it happens to be on the iTunes app. But more importantly than all that, John and I both encourage you to find a way to go out into the world and make a positive impact in somebody's life today. 